Hello, welcome to The Insurgents, episode 13, and it's Rob Rousseau here. Hey Rob, it's me, Jordan Yule, your co-host. How are you? I'm doing... I've been better, uh, to be honest. Uh, you know, it's it's obviously a trying time right now for everyone, so I was just about to reflexively say, like, hey, I'm good, but, you know, not really... It's not, yeah. <laughs> that's just kind of like a social reflex that you have. <laughs> right. Because, be um, yeah, I would be lying. Because, frankly, I... I you know, I got up, I kind of scrolled Twitter this morning, and I'm seeing some really disturbing numbers right now that's really making me kind of feel nervous and anxious, all kinds oh. of bad stuff. Yeah, I saw the, uh, you know, the, the total, I'm sure you're talking about like the total cases like in the United States and, and abroad, right? Like of COVID. Sorry, cases of, yeah. what are you referring to there? You're talking about like the infection cases um, of coronavirus, nation, like globally, Oh, right? No, no, I wasn't referring. I wasn't referring to that. I'm talking about the what are you talking the about? really important numbers, the Dow Jones. Oh, okay, fuck. yeah, of course, of course. Sorry, I should. The have, uh... the numbers have been they've been plunging. The number was mm-hmm. big just a few weeks ago. There was a mm-hmm. there was a big number, biggest ever. Uh, yeah, and now number has become small. Number the the number is diminishing, mm-hmm. and there's a line. The line has used to have this kind of very pleasant. An upward trajectory, and now the line is kind of going. It's doing some other stuff, and it's mm-hmm. it's really disturbing, man. It's really just it's bumming me out. I haven't slept well in weeks. I can't take this dress anymore. Um, this is this is deeply troubling. I'm worried about uh, the economy. I'm worried about the stock yeah. market. Um, and quite frankly, I think more and more people are saying it, and rightfully so. We need to start making a calculation. How many people do I need to kill to make that number go back up? Yeah, because, you know, obviously there's there's issues that are going along with this. You know, the health infrastructure being kind of overwhelmed and hospitals filling up with sick people and and trying to have, figure out, you know, as these frontline healthcare workers put their lives on the line to kind of ration care and figure out who needs to be connected to ventilators and who's not going to get treatment. This is all really disturbing. But what I, what I find even worse than that is whether Boeing's shareholders are going to be able to return the same kind of quarterly value that they've been used to. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, that's really, I don't even want to think about it. It's terrible to think about. Well, yeah, it's just, look, I mean, I know I, I might not have gone to business school, but I did watch The Wolf of Wall Street. And one thing I think it's really important that we keep in mind is that we're, the numbers that we have now are rookie numbers, and we need to get those numbers back up. We need to pump those these, up. Yeah, and those things you mentioned earlier, like full hospitals, people are sick. Those are just roadblocks in the in the long road to success. Those are just hurdles that we need to get over by any means necessary. So I think as Americans, as Canadians, as global citizens, we need to collectively come together and say, nothing is standing in our way in our global, unified, communitarian effort to get those numbers up. Yeah, and you know, I know I am personally ready to sacrifice my grandparents. Mm-hmm. They have they've had a great life, you know. They've lived a long time. I'm ready to just you know they've they're they're ready to shuffle off this mortal coil any any year now, anyways. So let's just get this over with now. Let's let's sacrifice everyone in our lives that we feel is kind of like expendable, and we can. I think if we all kind of make this commitment, if you make the commitment to even die yourself, just throw your body right on the tracks. As long, the most important thing is that that number goes up, the line starts going in the other direction, starts going up, 
that's the only thing that matters here. That's the only thing that anyone should be focusing on right now. Yeah. I, you know, I had a, a call with my grandma last night. Uh, she's in her 80s. Um, she's, you know, fully healthy. She's, she's all right. But, you know, I, I, told, I told her grandma, like, you're not producing anything for, for no. investors. You're not making Very anyone richer. Yeah, like, what are you doing? You're just sitting there and, you know, kind of collecting dust. So, I mean, it, it comes down to it, like, sorry, Grandma, like, we need the Dow Jones to be back up in that 30,000 range. Like, I, you understand. And she, yeah, she did. Because you want to know why, Rob? You want to know why? Because she loves her country. And at the end of the yeah. day, this is about everyone across the planet, their love for the United States. Yeah, uh, sorry, Gam Gam. The line must go up. Okay, so uh, welcome back. Yeah, okay, we're finished with the, the, the cold open. Hope you enjoyed that one. And by the way, I have to address this. Now's when we start doing jokes. Yeah, yeah. Now now that we've been serious for five minutes, now it's weird. We're taking on our sort of like sarcastic, uh, ironic personas here. I did just want to address this because no one has, has mentioned this to me or no one has tried to cancel us as far as I know. But I think I did listen back to one of these episodes and I thought, man, is it? are we being kind of too flippant? joking around about these like serious things these serious issues that are like you know causing uh really terrible uh traumas to all kinds of families all over the place and i just wanted to say in case anyone ever does listen to this and says like wow it's the the two irony bros you know being uh minimizing this really terrible uh a crisis that we're facing in all honesty this is the only way i know how to confront this like i this is the only way i know how to deal with this is by is by joking about it uh because otherwise i don't think it would be make for very entertaining podcast content if i'm just like crying into my hands uh and just you know <laughs> expressing how i actually feel about this which is just like pure anxiety and terror so i hope no one gets the idea that we're that we're that we don't actually care about this stuff because we're joking about it really it's the only way that i know how to confront it and i have a feeling that some people uh get something out of it get kind of an enjoyment out of it at this kind of uh, moment where there's a whole lot at stake there's a whole lot of uh uh anxiety to go around and i think two people do need like a few minutes out of the day to sort of uh maybe forget about that hopefully yeah and i i don't think we're 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 being too flippant or minimizing the actual suffering it's usually these types of intros just mock the the ludicrous propositions from people yeah. who don't put these the suffering at the forefront um that's usually been our angle so yeah i think like as, as ridiculous as it is a lot of the time at the beginning of these sh these shows we're basically just repeating verbatim what what either mainstream liberals <laughs> yeah. or mainstream conservatives are just saying openly uh, without yeah. really embellishing yeah. it all that much exactly and i believe that also so uh, yeah on to the next thing yeah <laughs> okay so um so we've got we've, we're doing another crossover episode this week it's uh it's, it's really exciting it's with the podcast eat the rich um which I think everyone's going to really enjoy. We had a really great conversation with those uh, those guys last night, and it was fairly long, so I don't want to like drag out this introduction too much. I just did want to do a little bit of housekeeping first. Um, 
Number one, just uh, continuing to thank everybody that has uh, subscribed at theinsurgents.substack.com. We did launch like an actual subscription tier where you can uh, make a monthly contribution to the show to make sure it stays on the air, um, which is $5 per month. Uh, You can also subscribe for $55 uh, annually. Uh, So you get a little bit of a discount there. Um, But so (laughs) as we mentioned before, we're we're keeping all the content free for now. I think maybe at some point in the future, we might start paywalling some of it. But uh, if you do enjoy the show and you like keeping it on the air, you can subscribe and make a monthly contribution over at theinsurgents.substack.com. And we thank everyone that has done so, so far. We really, really appreciate the support. And uh, that's where you can do that. Yeah, you could also leave a review uh, on Apple Podcasts. Those have been, you know, it's always super helpful to to get the show uh, in people's search results. Um, also, they make us laugh. Uh, here's one I wanted to share. Uh, a boot, the Insurgents Pod uh, from Nick. Uh, love the pod. Host Rob, no need to read further. Main host, uh, Ken, which I... I've wow. been in contact with um, Apple to get this corrected. And junior host Jordan, <laughs> please, sirs, I implore you. I long for Canadian accents. Please bait Rob into saying as many Canadian phrases as possible. I'm talking a boot, sorry, and the like. Stop talking about politics and only talking Canadian accents. Thank you. Uh, so, Nick, uh, more to come on that front. I don't say a boot, do I? I really don't think that I say that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you do. Oh come on! It's you. You don't say it like that, but you say you say a Canadian version of about. Okay, okay. Now I'm <laughs> now I can't say it because I'm thinking about it. I'm not, it won't be the natural. I guess we'll have to yeah, see. Yeah, not gonna not gonna roll off the tongue, huh? Yeah. Anyway, that was a little. I know you wanted to read that. It was a little insulting, and uh, the, the the mention of, <laughs> of Ken Klippenstein also was upsetting to me. So. That was, I think, the most triggering part. But we'll, yeah, we'll ignore that for now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so you could also. Um, you can give us a, a. You can call us now. Yeah, voicemail. You can leave us a voicemail. Uh, we've got a Google Voice number. We've already got some voicemails coming in. So, uh, I tweeted it out two zero two five seven zero four six three nine. I'll put it in the uh, the show notes as well. Uh, give us a call. Leave us a voicemail. We'll play the the best ones uh, on a co- upcoming episodes. Yeah, we also reached out to people, uh, subscribers of the show via email, to share with us your personal story of how you're being impacted by the pandemic right now, the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, We've already received a bunch of really uh, incredible emails uh, to respond to that. So please uh, get in touch with us on Substack, and and you can email us at theinsurgentspod at gmail.com and share your story about how you're being impacted by this. We're hearing some really interesting stuff, and um, because we're a little low on time this week, uh, we're going to keep collecting those, and we're going to read those out on a future episode or, you know... as we go along in in multiple future episodes so continue doing that i think that's like all the housekeeping and stuff that i wanted to mention jordan do you want to just like go to the interview right now yeah today we're joined by uh dwight and chris from eat the rich uh love those guys their show has uh really taken off they do really deep dives into the millionaires and billionaires who really pull the strings in our society uh and call the shots politically economically etc uh, they've done really, really great episodes. I was on their show for, for I can't remember, a couple months ago, talking about Tucker Carlson. They've done a really great episode on the Waltons, all these different episodes. Just really do really great research and deep dives into just the grotesque monsters that make the world worse. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're yeah. happy they joined us because they're, they're funny. Yeah, I haven't actually received an invite 
to, to go on the show. I guess that was probably some kind of oversight, I imagine. Uh, I think it probably surely... just got like, held, held up in customs, maybe? Yeah, I think that's probably... That's the only solution that I could think of. <laughs> Obviously, they wouldn't just, you know, invite you and no. me. So I'm just... Uh, I'm no, just no, like no, that. Not, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's get to our conversation with Eat the Rich and make sure you stay tuned after the conversation. I got another couple minutes to I think we're going to have a little outro. Uh I have another couple. I got some other material I want to get out there before we before we move on oh. to the next episode. Oh shit. All right. Okay. So, uh we'll be right back with Eat the Rich and stay tuned afterwards we're going to say goodbye uh, at the end of the episode uh for another couple minutes. And they'll be joining the show uh in just one moment. <laughs> smooth very smooth transition <laughs> and here it comes <laughs> and we're live Check one, cool. two, Let's and I'm go. checking, Check. and I'm checking. I guess we usually do it pretty gently, don't we, Chris? It's a lot of, like, checking in. Are you ready? Yes. Are we ready? Are we all ready? And then we go. <laughs> but I appreciated the extreme efficiency with which you worked there, Rob. Yep. This is how I operate. Rob's a business guy. That's that Canadian uh, efficiency I've heard so much about. That's why they're that's doing right. so much That's why they're doing the so classic, much better than we are. The classic trait that we all know about. And <laughs> everyone's familiar with that. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> Wasn't wow. expecting to be so on camera here? here. I'm looking kinda looking kinda oh, like I'm in quarantine for can, two weeks. You can turn that off. Please well, don't feel alone. That's what I, uh, yeah. I haven't shaved for a while, so I'm not doing yeah. it. That's I just shaved and actually like when I did, I like I, I Rob, I admire you rocking the mustache, man. Because like when I shaved my beard, I shaved it down to the mustache, and I really strongly considered going for it, and then I, I chickened out. Oh man, you just gotta, you just gotta do it, man. Yeah, you just gotta take the leap. Yeah, <laughs> fuck society, dude. Don't, <laughs> don't. You're not Isn't gonna it? let the man tell you how to have weird facial hair. Come on. I used to rock some weird facial hair, man. I used to go for the mustache. I used to go for the mustache, and like, and also like, like big mutton chops and shit. I used to go for, like, some real 70s looking... Like, it's either... It's like the look you call either 1970s or, like, or, like, Gilded Age businessman. Yeah. <laughs> I can't grow any of that. This is all I can do. So. Oh, I see. This is my only option. <laughs> but working within those limitations, I think it looks great, Rob. You know, oh, you yeah. really pull... You pull it off, man. You really do. Thank you very much. Yeah, I realize, like, now that we're kind of... Our, our North American life has been disrupted and changed in such a rapid way i think it's like an interesting shock for us to understand like what are the things that we do in our day expressly to impress others and i you know not that i'm not saying that like deodorant is not like something that you may or may not want to use when you're alone <laughs> at home or maybe not because it's just you know it's your own kind of stench and it is what it is i, I don't know what do we do in our day to impress <laughs> others what what would we otherwise view ourselves in our natural state? These are the things we're going to be finding out over the next couple of weeks. That's right, man. Yeah. <laughs> or like one week until you guys are all going back to work and everything. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, that's insane, get open. man. I can't stop. That. Like, I'm really hoping that, like, 
because my mom and my my parents are taking like the coronavirus thing and 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 the social distancing so seriously. Like I'm hoping that like Trump all of a sudden being like, yeah, no, we're fine. It's cool. Don't worry about it. Like I'm hoping that, like that will be finally the thing that turns them against him. I'm not sure because she's like, I was talking to my mom yesterday and she's like, why is he doing this? <laughs> so well, I we mean, have to open up the country. It's yeah. just, why does your mom hate the economy? <laughs> yeah, she's got to get in line America is a storefront, and we're open for business, baby. <laughs> the people, like, just so willingly being like, yes, sir, I will die yeah, I for will. the economy. <laughs> just insane. We got to make that number go up. Now, see, it's been really troubling lately because for a while, the number was really high. The line was really going up, and now... It's going down. The number is getting smaller. Well, you can't have this. I'm sure you noticed the line. You know, it, it took quite a, a jump upwards today, just at the mere prospect of, you know, the oncoming blood sacrifice in its name. Dude, the, the- f- un- unblinkingly, unblinkingly, <laughs> mainstream media like Washington Post. I think I saw something on CNN said. The largest single day gain since 1933, <laughs> and I was like, what? "They're marching us to our fucking deaths <laughs> just at a vo- dollar into general the volcano into the volcano." <laughs> and that literally the the blood prospect, the the prospect of a sacrifice on the ziggurat excited the fucking hogs on Wall Street so much that they're like, "Let's fucking do it, man! Let's well, take them was- all out." Yeah, I was tweeting about this today, and I had people kind of doing the, the well, actually, actually, it's rebounding because the, the coronavirus aid package is coming, and that's why, and it's like, st- why, listen to yourself. No, no way. Stop defending, stop, no don't defend this. way. Delusional. Don't defend this stupid system. Delusional. Don't defend it. I mean, the the package is flawed. I mean, that undercuts the, the within that, within that package, that means money is going to companies. It means um, uh, you get like a one- time payment i think of uh for some people like 3000 or 3500 if that goes through uh, that's completely insufficient and because this is some paltry response that means people are going to need to put themselves into harm's way to get back to work that is the condition on which this 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 one day gain is relies upon not not this overall aid package. It's that people are now going to be forced. They're going to be given just enough to get through like two to three weeks and then forced to go back to work. Oh, you, you don't think that's a fucking calculation? Oh, they, yeah. They, oh, it absolutely you know is. Like, they did the math. They're like, what's the minimum amount that we can give people so that they don't die, but that they still remain indentured to us and will have to go to work lest their landlord render them homeless? Right. This is a fucking, this is dystopian feudalism. It's just that's explicitly why that's explicitly why rent isn't paused. Mortgages are because those are people with wealth and the working class largely rents. And that is explicitly why that is carved out. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's all uh, it, we can make fun of Trump and Trump going, yeah, everyone is Easter. The churches are going to be nice and full. They're going to be full. But like, it's not just Trump. <laughs> this is like bipartisan. It's uh, Cuomo. He's the one that's like showing the steady leadership right now. Oh, dude, he uh, had that. that, the- that I, I can't get it out of my head. That fucking that's some press conference he did the other day. And he had that chart behind him yeah. that had like the scale. <laughs> the scale. And, like the, basically it was like balanced 50 50 between like, yep. what was it? Like the economy and human lives. <laughs> it's funny. It's, like we it's got, just funny we because find like, this is, if you're on balance. the left, you're 
you're used to talking about the economy like this and people kind of call you a conspiracy theorist or a radical or whatever. And that's what's fucking amazing over the last couple of weeks is that all that veil has just been dropped. And it's just oh, like, yeah. yeah, no, we're we, we're just deciding the proper number of human lives to sacrifice to make sure the number, make sure numbers stay big because numbers like, must be big at all times. And we're talking about something thing. that like you can literally like the news is still coming out of Italy. Like the death rate in Italy, it's like what? It's like 9% or something. Like, That's right. Like and they're like what? Like 11 to 14 days ahead of us as far as like the spread of the virus. Like we can see the news that's coming out of there and like I mean it's really spread in a big way to Spain. Like Spain is you know recording a, a, a whole bunch of new deaths each day now. Um like, uh, and what just, I think is important to point out too is that these countries are much healthier overall <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah. there's a better yeah. healthcare system. There's yeah. a better kind of like system for making sure people are healthy, and I think we're going to see that number end up being a lot higher in the United States. Like I saw there was that story about a, a Brooklyn principal that was like 36 that died. Yes, because of, yeah, like this idea that this only affects old people and, it, and every young person is going to be totally fine is not accurate. Uh, yeah, no, I woke gonna, up. I woke up last night to use the bathroom, man, and I, like, opened up Twitter, and I saw that story about the 36-year-old woman that died. And, like I said, I'm 32, and, like, man, it took me a minute to get back to sleep. I'm like, I'm fucked, dude. Like, this is frightening. Yeah. And, like, especially, like, living in New York, where I live, like, I believe they estimate, like, their, their, their estimates right now are that, like, by the height of this thing, they're going to need 25,000 to 35,000 ICU beds with respirators or ventilators or whatever. And, like, they have, like... I believe the state currently has like 3,000 or 3,500, like 80% of yep. which are already full because of just normal, you know, medical stuff, like totally unrelated to the coronavirus. Like, what the fuck are they, what are they doing about this? But you got to imagine the Eat the Rich healthcare plan is probably a platinum plan. You guys oh, probably have like, you're going to be fine. <laughs> oh, buddy. Yeah. Diamond plan. I'm sure. Ins- insurgents, we, we're on our own. I had to buy healthcare in the marketplace, so I had to go with a high deductible plan. Um, I think Rob, Rob worked out a deal with our HR person. He's got a platinum plan, but I'm, I'm right. fucked. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally okay. Yeah, we we went for the we tried to little save a little bit of money by going with an HMO, but it's called the Coconut Smile Plan. Uh, <laughs> they just got, gave buddy. me a free ventilator. I don't even know if I'm going to need it, but I got one oh, in my wow. house now in case it ever wow. it comes down to it that I have to use one. So <laughs> I'm awesome. set. Good for you, man. <laughs> When you used to, like in, so in the 60s, when you would open up a checking account with a bank in like the South, they would give you like a rifle or something. And like some place in the North, <laughs> they would give you like a toaster and stuff. But I think it's really endearing that you can, you're allowed to do direct deposit, but they will give you a mask. So you at least stay alive for like two days for the direct yeah. deposit to actually go through. So I thought that was nice. <laughs> That's really sweet. <laughs> should we do an intro? Or should we like formally introduce oh, yeah, I the guess show? So. I guess it's something. Yeah, how do you guys that. normally do that? We just we typically like just ramble our way into it. We I do intros we were just vibing. Like yeah, we just vibing, bro. Yeah. Jordan, why are you trying to stop the vibing, dude? Yeah. I failed my vibe check, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you, okay, cop. Alright, cut him. Cut his bike. <laughs> let's gotta introduce and make sure we everyone knows who's on the show. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you got you. Yeah. You invited Eat the Rich on, and by like fucking two seconds into it, we were already swearing and screaming our heads off. So well, that's, that's what, uh, yeah, that's what, yeah. we that's what you for. wanted. Other than <laughs> that's what you wanted. Well, we got we got two we got two thirds of Eat the Rich. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so we we, we are the... here, in fact, with uh, Dwight and Chris from Eat the Rich. Thank you for coming on and and speaking to us, uh, guys. Absolutely. Oh yeah. shit! It's an honor, man. I mean, we we stand among giants here. Oh, stop it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. So is that good enough, Jordan? Your majesty for the fuck? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Um, yeah, yeah, that's good. That's okay. good. I'm, I'm pleased. All right, good. So, okay, so I wanted to back up a little bit here um, because one thing I think is really fucking amazing is how fast this conversation has just pulled a complete 180 about how what the response to this coronavirus crisis is going to be. Uh, so when everything was kind of shutting down and when we and, and there's starting to be a realization that, oh, shit, millions of people are going to have to stay away from their jobs. It's going to be this huge economic shock. And you had Republicans like Mitt Romney leading the way, talking about like a UBI, talking about like a universal thousand dollar payment. Trump yeah. was talking about this. And we were saying like, oh, shit, the Republican Party is kind of starting to grasp this whole like economic populism thing. This is going to be totally unbeatable. And it seems like just in the last week they were like, oh, wait, no, 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 no. Actually, we're not doing any of that. I think they got a, they got a word from the the donors of the party and certain individuals that are, are invested in this stuff. And yeah, like you pointed out in this package, they really went out of their way to make sure that like no one get any fucking ideas about any free money or not going to your job, uh, because they I think they realized yeah, correctly that once you start giving people checks, uh, it's going to be difficult to stop giving those checks at some point. So just like no, 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 we're not going to be doing any of that stuff. Well, I think that on that point, I think that like even though Trump like seemed to talk the talk for about a week or so, like he was always resentful about like having to pretend like he gives a shit about this thing or like you know what i'm saying like the most important thing to him is you know trying to make sure the economy doesn't tank and he gets blamed for it you know i mean a couple weeks ago he was calling this thing a hoax you know and then he had like a week of pretending like he cares and like you know pretending it was like, just gonna be fine uh, you know. right like pretending like we're actually gonna take this you know social distancing self-quarantine thing seriously and he was saying like well this may be you know a few months to july or august or something you know and then like yeah like this just full you know 180 it's like actually you know what 15 days 15 days we're good <laughs> we're fine it's gonna be fantastic let's call it like I said, like, yeah, I, he was, you could tell that he was resentful the whole time about having to, you know, pretend like we're actually going to shut everything down for a few months. I've given this a lot of thought, like, trying to figure out why they were even suggesting, you know, populist monetary policy at all. And I was like, man, like, this is, firstly, maybe I, my first thought was that they're just going to clinch the election because... If they fucking, you know, as everybody said, outflanked the Democrats to the left economically, then, you know, Democrats are fucked. And why shouldn't they be anyway? Because they're fucking gormless work. Yeah, the they're, they're, they're already fucked. But yeah, but I was thinking about it. I was like, well, maybe this actually says what they're really thinking, which is and, and you know, this is not actionable or anything. This is just historical to say that when income inequality gets this bad in a society, society tends to try to distance people's heads from their necks it there's plenty of elect uh, there's plenty of uh historical precedent to support that and i think that they understand like oh shit like we need to keep them at bay now much like fdr had to go talk to his fucking rich friends you know during his presidency after the great you know in the midst of the great depression to say like we got to throw these people a bone here otherwise they are going to disconnect our heads from our necks all right, and Dwight's calling for revolution, so... Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, no, no, I know, I know what you He mean. waits till he comes yeah, on your show be... to do this. He bleeds, he bleeds <laughs> everything I say on my own damn show, and then he's going to pull this here. 
No, no, I know what he, I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's just like the traditionally there's been huge mass uprising and backlash. You see it, you've seen it in France. Like it's, it's that that that's that's what people have done. So they're trying to quell that. Yeah, just, just I I thought maybe they were <laughs> at least like smart enough because I don't think they're actually generous or they actually believe in like giving people money. But I thought they were at least smart enough that like, hey, if we just spend a little bit to sort of make to shut these people up then they're going to leave us alone. But it seems like they can't resist just instead of going carrot and stick, they've just got to go stick. It's their right, it's in their right. nature. It's, it's like that they've got uh, to punish. Park. They've got to punish people. It's like that That's trailer park of... boys meme. Like here, just take here, take a thousand dollars and just fuck off. Like it's what's, yeah, what's, yeah. The, what's the bare minimum. I <laughs> That's can That's what give I thought you? this was turning into for a little. What's while? the bare minimum I can give you. That's just going to make you fuck off. Yeah. So what's in Jordan, do you know like exactly what's in this aid uh, package that's being put out right now? Because I see people freaking out about it. Like this is like a complete, this is going to be a massive bailout to corporations again. Like we're <laughs> yeah. we're doing the we're doing the exact same playbook, uh, the course. 2008 playbook. And Let's go, baby! I don't know. Do you know the details of what's in this? Because I saw it was still being finalized. Like when I was when I was just logging in to chat with you guys. Yeah, it's it, it's going to vary. So right now, the current iteration in the Senate that we're recording on Tuesday night at around 7:45, and it's been changing you know, throughout the day and throughout yesterday and even well, like late into last night. Uh, But the current iteration, Larry Kudlow just talked about it during Trump's press conference earlier, saying it's around $6 trillion. Um, This is kind of what they're envisioning and a multi-phase package. Some of it will have uh, direct economic aid to families. I think they said a one-time thing of around 3,000. He didn't get into the specifics in the press conference and I didn't look at the details, but I would imagine that's going to be means tested. The initial Republican proposal phased out entirely after like 95,000 um annual for a single person um 150 for a family and uh you know a lot of this relies on past income uh this relies usually on 2018 or 2019 tax returns which I cannot stress or tr- file when you filed it in 2018 or 2019 so the years and how many millions that, of people just lost their enough. jobs this week <laughs> exactly like exactly 30? When you do it like that, when you do it like that, and you don't have a robust, complete, and I, I, I don't know, there had been talks about 100% salary unemployment benefits, so maybe the, it catches you there, but um, you know, it's it's just it's if it's not complete, it is it is totally insufficient. And what about healthcare then? You know, are they then going to expand uh, Medicaid? Are they going to cover COBRA costs? These types of things aren't factored into everything else. And when you don't have the suspension of rent, a, a, a paltry one-time payment or even uh, just getting people on unemployment isn't enough. Like when you are, it, it, I, can't, I, cannot, I cannot stress this enough. It, we have to have a somewhat a, a universal basic income for everybody. And if you are worried about people who make more getting it to tax them on the back end. Just do it that way. But means testing like this is, is completely insufficient. Well, I'm not. I'm not sure uh, about this latest iteration of the uh, of the financial aid package or whatever. But like the the one that was they were talking about a few days ago, where it was like twelve hundred dollars per person, except like it, again, it was based on your 2018 uh, income. But like if you made if you didn't make if you made less than twenty five hundred dollars income that year, you got nothing. And I believe that. Um, from twenty five hundred dollars to whatever the um, the federal tax liability is, I don't know if it's twelve thousand in income. It's somewhere around there. Um, 
you would have gotten anywhere from zero to 600. Uh, and then after that, yeah. you would have got 1,200. I mean, what's, what's, does this, I guess this one has something similar to that? I haven't really been paying attention to where they've gone with that now. Because I was explaining that to my mom. Because, like, my mom, my parents, they get, you know, they're retired, they get Social Security. And, like, she's talking to me thinking she's going to get $1,200. And I'm explaining to her, like, no, you're actually going to get 600. And this is why. So it's fucking regressive. Right. Yeah. The people, yeah. The people, who, the people who need it the very most. Are the people who get it the least? That, get the least. Like for the, that was also the purely Republican right. plan. I don't think that plan would continue. Also, not even mentioned in this conversation is Pelosi and House Dems are drafting an entirely different proposal. Hopefully, more progressive and more robust, which would be great. I mean, but um, it wouldn't be. You know, even if their best case scenario, they'd still have to make both. You know. Uh, you'd have to mesh them both in reconciliation, so you'd lose a lot of whatever the House outputs. I did see also on this this bill that's being negotiated now that one of the final things that they were tr- couldn't agree on was Democrats wanted to raise SNAP, food stamps, 15%, and Republicans don't want to do it. And it's just like, Fucking Jesus Christ, like you can't, Fifth, that's third, in this situation, day. you can't just give people slightly more food stamps. They, they wanted to give more people food. more... So um, like, Food's like okay, fifteen percent. That's literally thirty dollars. I believe that you, I believe that in most states, your maximum like SNAP or food stamp payout is two hundred dollars a month. So what? All, they just wanted to increase it by fifteen percent. That's only thirty dollars. What do you fucking eat? Yeah. <laughs> and well, and I know there's that. all these I, like reg- the rules, like you can't actually use it to get hot food, like you can't right. go get like a rotisserie chicken or something right. at the grocery that's, store. That's, that in most places, there's all these like correct. rules just to make it as fucking, fucking punishing as possible. Draconian. Yeah. A lot of it's also real. It's because of it's because of lobbying for like the corn lobby. So you can go in, you can you could theoretically spend your entire food stamp card uh, for the month at a gas station buying like Skittles and Red Bull. Mm. And all this stuff, mm-hmm. but you couldn't go to the grocery store and get all the hot foods that are prepared, which are way more nutritious. And part of it's through lobbying, and the, another is this misguided concept that you know by doing this, people will prepare meals at home. It's like no, that's just not a reality of the American way of life. Maybe in like the fifties, yeah. But and no, if you're working like, that's just not how people job, operate. Minimum wage jobs at the same time, you don't have time at the end of the day to make dinner for your family. So I'm like, it's just, exactly. like, and when it's you just meet- designed to fucking immiserate people, just funnel them into the, the bottom, like right to the to the basement, you know, it's like, right, absolutely it's insane and create more health problems. And when you means yeah. test, when you're means testing for these things, you have already people who 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 are low income enough to qualify for this. There's a huge overlap with Medicaid. So you're, you're just you're creating more problems by forcing people into these situations, especially if they're in food deserts where they eat unhealthy food, they eat processed food and they develop health conditions as a result of that. And then you create a ballooning uh, health care costs system in Medicaid. It's just you, it'd be so much easier to just, you know, give people more money and let them buy better food. Right. And maybe have a have a Medicare for all type system, so when they need to see a doctor, they can go to a doctor. That way, they're not <laughs> unhealthy and immunocompromised when there's a pandemic right. that ravages the fucking country and uh, kills a significant number of the population. Absolutely. Oh boy, America's you not think- doing too well right now. <laughs> oh buddy, sucks. Best is, the best is yet to come. The, the, where where America's heading at the moment. Yeah, I've got I've got an idea actually. I just watched the the film um, Mad Max Fury Road for the first time a couple days ago. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a you know a pretty good indicator of of where we're heading. 
Yeah, well, I can't wait till, till we have water wars. That's going to be awesome. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Well, that's when you're going to annex Canada. That's going to be that's gonna be really fun for me, too. Yeah, that's... Oh, it'll be great. That's when all you motherfuckers that made fun of me for buying all those Jim Baker food buckets. We're going to see who has the last laugh. Yeah. Dude, that that was one of one of the like the quietly most evil um uh, uh quotes from Succession was when uh fucking Cameron, what's his name? Uh who's the kid the Kieran, guy Kieran Cochran? No, no, the guy from the from the desert. Fucking Cameron from Ferris Bueller's uh-huh. Day Off. Uh oh, Connor, yeah, I don't yeah, want the Connor. psycho that wants Connor. to get the water futures and stuff. And he's yeah. like talking to a child in it and he was saying, And my my ranch has five underground rivers. I have an aquifer, so when the water wars happen, everyone will try to get to me, but I'm the one with the water. And he's like <laughs> boasting about it. And I was like, yeah, That is yeah. like quietly the one of the most psychotic things ever brought up in the show. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you remember you have you seen the big short? Yeah. The guy the guy they say at the at the end, the guy who uh, you know, predicted that whole fucking meltdown, whatever his name is, the Christian Bale character. For years, he's been doing the same thing with water. Like, that's his next thing. Great. Fucking, here's some awesome. more fucking wave <laughs> awesome. of anxiety. So it's like, it's, it's reality. What's the, it's just, it, that's what's what's the bad guy in Mad Max Fury Road, Fury Road again? What's his name? Immortan Joe. Yeah, that's going to be Ken Klippenstein in the post the post apocalypse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we're all going to be his blood boys Dude. just like just trying to like neck Witness me, Ken. Yeah. If, if I could make, make, make my way. Make, I, I, yeah, make me your blood bag, Ken. All his reply yeah. guys. Just... I would love to make my way into Klippenstein's court, man. Just if I could be on the sideline. Yeah. That's a solid <laughs> position right there. Ken, please just make me first up against the wall so I don't have to suffer. Yeah. <laughs> Ken, please. Oh, boy. Oh, it's bleak, boys. Yeah. I think that's kind of the scary thing about right now is that, you know, we're talking about stuff that's happening in Congress and these bills that are being passed. But in terms of the actual impact of this coronavirus, we're just not going to know how that plays out for another couple weeks or months even and it's just like it's like we're all waiting in this kind of yeah like you know that you're on a raft heading towards a waterfall and mm-hmm. there's this one moment of like calmness right before you tip over the side it's, it's like such that's, what living, that's what america's going through right now it's Rod. such a strange feeling of limbo yeah like it's like it's like watching all of this happen in slow motion you know and it's just like it's like, especially like if you've been paying attention to this, like since it started brewing in China, like over the past couple months, and it seemed like something that was so foreign and so far away. And then like, you know, and then like just gradually, you know, it started making its way, you know, around the world. And then like, I feel like it was only like, like, God, it was like a week and a half ago, even not even two weeks ago that people actually started taking it seriously. And now it's just like, man, like something's really going to happen. And we're just like waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it's just like... Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just so, like a bomb that's so, going off in slow motion across America. Like, you saw so, all these kids at spring surreal. break partying, and now, like, that's just taking oh, it and bringing those. it every, to every little corner of the country. It's those such a strange feeling, man. It's almost yeah. like, I'm just like, almost like, just let it happen. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I've been saying this. I've been beating this drum on uh, on posting online for like a week that this is a 9/11 scale event in the sense of how it's going Bigger. to change our country yeah. and our way of life. Like, yeah. what parts of this? Like, like with 9/11, there was parts of it where you could never put the toothpaste back in the tube. Oh yeah, right with like yeah. security theater and shit like that. Fucking Islamophobia, like that 
that continues and is, was exacerbated by that and continues to this day. So well, what just, part- like, just just to, you see, in the same way that like, you know, all the, the, the erosion of our civil liberties that happened, you know, after 9-11, like those never got rolled back. Like, you know, they're going to all the civil liberties, all the ways they're going to erode our civil liberties after this, like in the interest of like this is in air quotes, public health. You know, they're never going to roll those back. It's getting worse. Abortions I mean, were just see, banned you're, in you're Texas. now. Oh, really? I yeah, didn't even see it's that. It's kind of like the shock doctrine stuff. Yeah, they're using, like in Ohio and in Texas and other red states, they're using this as a moment to curtail abortion rights. They're doing it through, you know, oh, how Christ. other states have done this, like no elective procedures and, you know, cosmetic stuff or maybe not as urgent surgeries, things like that. They're postponing those to create more space in hospitals. They're using that as the ballast for this move, which is purely extrajudicial because you just, like, they're trying to circumvent the law. And that, it, that can be essential. And, you know, they're, they're, they're making it in the case like only when the, the mother's life is in jeopardy. But that's absolute bullshit because the trimester framework is what is the law in so many different states. So even if you delay it a month or two, they might not be able to get it later even if they want to now. So it's absolute bullshit they're doing this. And it's purely out of an anti-choice um, uh, motivation. Uh, another thing also is the DOJ uh, is trying to uh, detain people indefinitely. Yes. Oh, well, yeah, there's dude. There's no need for that. But it's like what you said. It's it's the erosion of civil civil liberties, and they're taking this moment now to to further erode them because no one's paying attention. And I could and I could also see like, I, I mean, you know, let's say it happens in the guise of you know making sure that you know people aren't sick before air travel or something. Like, what happens if they start like, you know, really cracking down on like some sort of like swabbing or like testing of your cheeks or something, you know what I'm saying? Like some kind of, you know, brief medical exam to test you, you know, nominally for the disease. But, you know, I, I, I mean, you know, you might Gathering have to submit DNA. a fucking D- DNA sample to get on an airplane here in the future, you know? Or at, at least like a temperature would, check. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise yeah. me, man. It wouldn't surprise me. I, can I just mention something that I was reminded of, of just a failure of uh, liberals? <laughs> When I was thinking about Texas and how aggressive it is, remember there was that woman that was running for governor named Wendy Davis that did that epic filibuster in front of uh, the Texas state legislature? Yeah, uh uh-huh. And did not get elected, and (laughs) nothing came of it. But I remember it was just like, oh, my God, look at this. You know, she's doing this for fucking 17 hours or whatever, and it went fuck all nowhere. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking. I was. I yeah. was thinking about that today when I was walking, and then somehow I got to John Ossoff, and I just started thinking about different candidates that just shit the bed. Jason Cander, Ossoff, oh. baby. Oh. Ossoff's campaign was so pathetic. Yeah, though. It, was great. it was so painfully bad. Well, it was a white guy doing an Obama impression before it was cool. When, when and he was running on nothing. Well. Yeah, he was running on like more data servers outside yeah, it was like Atlanta apps. and like just technocratic bullshit. Yeah. And I saw that was like I, his slogan, Ossoff 2020 apps. That's his I only. Was, <laughs> that's his I was, only slogan. I was looking into Ooh. the uh, the uh, the person who's now the incumbent, the the woman that won Karen something in that district in Georgia, and she is a right. Nazi, like uh, allegedly. What you know what I'm saying? Uh, she's yeah, yeah. I mean, votes with Trump 98 percent of the time you know, wants to roll back abortion rights. Just, I mean, completely regressive and absolute psycho. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. like I too wanted to bring, go back to like uh, Ohio and this abortion law that they're doing now. And it's what we're probably going to see replicated all over the place. And conveniently, I'm sure 
if they get to a point where the healthcare system like rebounds from the stress it's about to be put under, they're going to conveniently forget to like re-allow those uh, after it's all over. Oh, whoops. We for, we actually for lost the document that said we were supposed to do it again. So I guess this is just the new mm-hmm. thing that we're doing now. And not great. It's f- not great. It's funny too. Like I was when when we were talking about how we were gonna uh, do this show, I was just like having fun and looking back. Sometimes I like like to look back a few years into headlines and see how things were talked about and like remind myself. And I was thinking about like looking at bailouts and especially for health companies because like you know there's just certain rural hospitals that are completely unequipped to be able to even you know, shoulder the capital expenditure to build more ICU space or like buy fucking respirators or something like that. But in 2017, they were using the rhetoric of the Obama era by saying that the ACA was actually doing bailouts for health insurers. And the Trump administration was trying to use that rhetoric to say, we shouldn't be doing, giving bailouts to health insurance companies. (laughs) But what a fucking! It's almost like this uh, triangulating is. approach where you you uh, make a Republican health care plan the centerpiece of your like progressive legislation. It's almost like that's a not a great way to do negotiations. That's incredible. Seems like maybe that's a lesson <laughs> that they could learn eventually. But I guess it's going to take another few goddamn decades before they realize that this is happening. You know, well, not they, not they everybody has. Time. Not everybody has your political savvy, Rob. I mean... Well, apparently not. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think any of us have a few goddamn decades while, while, while we're at it. <laughs> no. I, dude, I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't do more than, like, two decades of this. I, I just don't think I have it in me, man. <laughs> all, I'm, all I'm asking for is, like, ten, ten more good years. No. <laughs> we need more. <laughs> we need more than that. And I sure hope, uh, I, sure hope I get even that, the way this... Uh, the way the way things are looking nowadays what what in history has this i know we said this on eat the rich and I've, it's been fucking haunting my dreams uh since last week when i asked I, I posited the question you know what other generations have gone through two economic recessions and uh, a global pandemic before they were 40 and shane aptly said yeah the, the, the greatest one generation that, the ones that the ones that elected the nazis yeah we know how that went <laughs> yeah. well that's a that's something that i have definitely noticed about this current moment in america it's uh it's very weimar-esque uh and this continues to kind of go down that path and uh, you know didn't end up great the last time we went through this historically so ideally you'd like maybe something a different direction to maybe uh happen in the next little bit but all the things that i keep putting my my hopes and dreams behind in terms of america because i want america to do well right i don't live there but i would like it not to like descend further into like a complete corporate fascist uh hellhole full of like disease and misery that's bad for everyone in the world right (laughs) it's nice uh, ideally i would like that to be avoided that future but right now it's things are not really looking too good for the old us of a well, I mean, you know, coronavirus is going to make it up, make its way up, up your way, too. Is that oh, yeah. Threat, no, we're, we're dealing with it as well. I don't think <laughs> I don't think it's going to be quite as devastating because I think it was taken a little bit more seriously here. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Whereas in the United oh, States, you think, was... you think you're better than us? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I personally do. Um, not, you know, I'm not going to stick up for Canada not too much. Um, there's things that yeah. are. are about Canada that I think are decent, like our healthcare system. But even that is, 
is needs to be a lot better. And that's a lot of the, the struggle in Canada in terms of like putting together a progressive movement uh, is that as long as America is there, people are always going to be like, oh, it's not so bad here. I mean, it's things could be a whole lot worse. So like, let's not let's not go and start demanding too much here and demanding all this kind of change. Let's just be happy with what we have. Um, and that's part of the reason that I also get in, like I get excited about um, st- American politics, because that's that could be a way to kickstart. Uh, a similar kind of social movement here, but um, you know that needs to kind of work work out in America in order for, to convince people here that that's such a thing as possible. Uh, don't want to let you down there, buddy. But ah, um... <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Bob. Well, yeah. well, that one month that it seemed like something was good was going to happen was pretty sweet, though, right? Dude, wasn't that, that was nice? nice. Oh. <laughs> it was so weird. I mean, I was in Nevada. I was thinking about this the other day. Oh man, fuck, it was, Jordan. It was like. I was in Nevada knocking on doors. Everyone, like, the spirits were high. Everyone was, you know, like, optimistic. There was just, like, this general sense of camaraderie in the air. And then I come home, exhale. Hey, by the way, everything is going to shit. Now we're going to spiral into a a turbo depression. Here's a pandemic shelter in place. And it's just also Joe Biden is taking the lead. (laughs) Just fuck, man. (laughs) What a turnaround. The fucking liberals are... I, I can't stop thinking about this and, like, concluding this at the end of every fucking day, which is something that, that <laughs> fucking Martin Luther King Jr. warned us about in, in um, his letter in the, in the Birmingham jail. And, like, we are watching the binary choice of socialism versus fascism or socialism versus, versus barbarism play and out in front of to, our like, eyes. Let's, just to be clear, like mild democratic socialism, like very, very like <laughs> yes. mild democratic socialist reforms versus and, like and blood yet, drinking fascist capitalism in all its like uh, glory. And yet the gormless Democrats, fucking Nancy Pelosi, the, the gerontocracy under which we are ruled refuses to even fucking throw us a goddamn surgical mask. <laughs> yeah. It's not great. You're young and healthy, though. You'll be fine. Yeah. I don't well, feel this is, fucking And this healthy. is something that I do wonder, right? Because obviously I think the Bernie Sanders campaign was a way for a lot of really like disaffected people, especially young people and immigrants and people that have been kind of left behind by the political process this was their effort to like engage in the political process and engage in electoralism and engage with the democratic party. And they've just been told at every single turn, no, fuck off. We don't want you. We don't, we don't, we don't agree with any of your ideas. You're not getting anything. We're not giving up our, our positions. We're not giving up our cushy consultancy gigs. You get nothing. You get nothing. You get Joe Biden and you're going to vote for Joe Biden. You're going to like it. And that's been the response. And I just, I wonder, you know, what's going to happen with this kind of generation that's been pulled into this movement, whether they're going to be willing to engage with the Democratic Party in the future, whether they're going to believe in the idea of like electoral politics as a way to actually change things, or whether they're going to come away from this process thinking like, no, it's not possible. This was like the best chance for it. And it, it's not working. And I don't know where people go from there. And especially when you get to a situation where they're being like told to go back to their jobs while like hospitals and city streets are going to be overflowing with sick and dying people. You got to wonder at some point whether people are going to hit a, a breaking point where they're just like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to participate in this anymore. Uh, we're doing something different. Uh, you got to feel like that might be coming along soon. Yeah. I feel like every, every part of this conversation um, that everyone's having like globally is, is really premature. 
uh, like Trump and, and the Republicans already saying, like, we got to get back to work. We got to open up the country. People saying, like, you know, pe- people are saying we need X, Y, and Z uh, to just get by. I, I just think it's all premature because it's going to be so aggravated by both the lack of response from the United States, but also the pre-exist- the pre-existing conditions and the unhealthy just culture right. in the United right. States. It's going to be so, so ugly here, coupled with the lack of, of medical supplies, lack of health insurance, the lack of, of affordable and, and accessible care in the United States, lack of universal care. Everything about the United States is going to make it so much worse. And people just aren't willing to make a mild sacrifice for the like mo- for the most part to stave this out at the onset. People just don't want to do it. They think it won't impact them. It's like the superhero mentality where it won't it won't negatively affect them at all. And just there's so many people that are going to make this so much worse because they won't. There's there isn't a sense of collectivism, and that's what it ultimately is. Well, there's been it's a decades-long propaganda effort to poison the idea of collectivism yep. in people's minds, and you see the generational yep. divide in the Democratic Party right now. It's that older generation that just refuses to like allow themselves to believe that that's a that's a possibility electorally, or that it doesn't lead to this like. Uh, just widespread death and murder and destruction because that's what they've been drilled into their heads for the last like five fucking decades and and the craziest thing to me like I said earlier is that like just the amount of cognitive dissonance it has to take to like we all watch the same news we all see you know the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who are dying in Italy every day the rate you know the percentage at which this is killing people who get it like what possibly makes you think that won't happen here in all likelihood it'll happen even worse here i I just don't it's it's astounding to me i love i love when people like that roll out the fucking racist um counter to that which is like well you know in italy you have like a homogenous culture (laughs) that was like you mean they're 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 implying that because they don't have to deal with all sorts of people from all different ethnicities that they're able yeah. to control their healthcare more. That's the implication, yeah. which is fucking psychotic and racist, as if like yeah. fucking, you know. Well, then it- I mean, if some if someone was saying that, then wouldn't their implication be that that Italy would be handling it better than yes. we would? Yeah. I'm not sure they've thought that far ahead. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man. But also on this on this kind of ignorance and this this naive mindset that it won't affect us or we in people's not people just generally not being able to accept the reality of what's to come uh, i think part of that is also that we've never really had anything super catastrophic happen no. here wars wars have been fought abroad i mean save for 9 yeah. 11 but that was even an isolated thing in yeah. new york wars have not been fought here for the most part most people alive did not live through the great depression very few were alive uh during the the, the 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 pandemic in the 20s I mean they'd be a hundred or more now so it's it's just it there there isn't anything to uh think about or there's nothing to kind of you know or there's no reference point. yeah yeah exactly and, and all of those things it's a bit general lifestyle's been good here for for decades and for generations now and now this is the first consequence that we're facing in a, in a modern American reality, and people just don't think it can happen here. You, nothing else ever catastrophic or negative has. And it's but other countries, pretty much all around the world, have experienced it. They've lived through wars in Europe. They've lived through wars in the Middle East. Uh, they lived through different uh, types of colonialism 
in imperialism all around the world except for here. And now this is the first consequence that people are facing here and no one can accept it. Just just imagine how much, for instance, it would be how much worse coronavirus would be if we had to deal with it and also have to deal with sanctions. Like I think about Iran. Oh, dude. Like all the fucking sanctions on Iran and like how how much worse that makes this situation for them. And like we're we're doubling down on them, you know? Yeah. It's genocide. Just added more. It's sick. Yep. And we're we've all there's something another thing we've been talking about too are like the immigrant detention centers and prisons. Yes. We're yes. already we're already hearing about how this infection is spreading throughout these kind of facilities. There who are already lack adequate like sanitary supplies, soap and things they need to stay healthy. Like these are these are going to become fucking death camps very very soon. Dude, and we, it doesn't have, seem like anyone even on the progressive side is much interested in like talking about how are we going to resolve this. Like this is going to be a, a goddamn nightmare. Well, I'll tell you what I've been thinking about a lot, and it's like very heartbreaking to me. And I've been talking to this about actually in, in, in one of the group DMs with some of these guys is like I think a lot about the homeless population, but like specifically the homeless population in a city like San Francisco, where like they already have, you know, an overwhelming problem with lack of public toilets. And like the whole city's on lockdown now, you know, like there's there's all the businesses are closed. All the libraries, which tend to serve as a sort of de facto uh, 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 day shelter for, for many homeless people, those are all closed. Any, any access to any kind of public toilet is closed. Um, I mean, just the amount of human misery that, that, that has to be going on in a place like that and just how easily, you know, in a, in a city like that with a very large homeless population, just how easily um, the virus will be spread among that population. It just like like the most already the most vulnerable population is, is going to get left behind and fall through the yep. cracks here so badly. They already are. And we have to accept, too, that none of this is an accident, that there is like an Anne Randian element, especially in the conservative movement, that's viewing this as like, this is going to cull the weak from society, the old and the sick and the weak and the poor. And that's good. And we want that. Uh, There are people that believe that. They might not admit it, but like it's coming through in the actions that they're advocating for right now. Um and I'm sure there's people that are have no problem with any of this stuff as long well, who as who was the fucking guy who who, who 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 was it that went on fucking uh, uh, Tucker Carlson's show last night and like yeah. literally said like <laughs> grandparents should be willing to die yeah. to to save the economy for their grandchildren they're a death cult <laughs> it is yeah. they're a this, fucking this death is, cult okay that's that's a great way to come back to it because this is the funny thing it's like we've been talking about this is like a meme kind of on the online left and elsewhere capitalism is, is a death cult what does that mean and you know. And we're seeing it. We're seeing it in black and white terms. It's right there for everyone to see. And um, if guys, if actually, if I can get a little, if I can get a little English major on your ass right now, Ooh, uh, something please. that I've been kind of, something that I've been kind of thinking about lately is the apocalypse, because we're kind of living through the apocalypse right now. And if you look at the, actually what that word means, apocalypse, what does it mean? Well, it doesn't just mean that it's the end of the world and everything comes to an end and everyone dies and zombies eat our flesh or whatever. Uh, really, what the word means, it's about the lifting of the veil. It's about lifting and revealing something that was uh, hidden to us. And that's, I think, what we're living through right now. We're seeing these glimpses of, uh, of how things work. It's not like the mask is, it's the, it's the idea of like mask off, right? The mask is slipping. We're seeing all these things in stark black and white terms. 
this is an element of it right now. I mean, Trump was part of it too. Like when Trump was elected, we saw that all these like political norms and institutions that people cared so much about and they put so much belief into none of that stuff actually matters. It's it's powerless. It's powerless if someone just chooses to ignore it. And uh, the Epstein thing was another element of that, right? You're getting these little glimpses of how power operates and what they believe and how they, you know, the kind of things that they, they, they're doing. And that's what this process is. That's why it is the apocalypse right now, because we're, we're, this stuff is really being laid bare for everyone to see. Uh, there's no more like a fancy rhetoric around it, dancing around it. Uh, it's mask off 2020 and we're seeing uh, the result of like what the this when they take this ideology and just boil it down to its essence we're seeing the result of it right now and it's just death it's just appease the market god with with uh with blood and that's and their politicians are just like yep that's what it is and then okay that's we just have to go along with it i guess (laughs) you know when we talk about lifting the veil and seeing it for what it really is i feel that a lot whenever i see those pictures of like trump taking a swing and golf like out of a sand trap and you see his like underwear and it's the fucking worst oh. it's the worst thing you can see that's not a veil i love it i, I think that rules i want to keep that veil down actually if we no could. i welcome that man <laughs> he is a well that's uh, it i mean it's it's a scary moment like this is the kind of thing i keep repeating about this is that it is a scary moment but it's it's exciting because this is i think this is what you want you want if you're kind of on the left you want these contradictions to be heightened for everyone to see it not just like extremely online people or people that have a college degree or people that are obsessed with thinking about politics and the economy and the way things work that you want everyone to be able to see the reality of what the system means and and what it does to people and right yeah and i mean in a sense that's what i've really welcomed about trump is is like you yeah. said the way in which he just lays bare you know, all of this shit and this like all of this like respect that we're supposed to have for, you know, political institutions and, and, and all this sort of stuff. He just like he exposes it all just by being himself for the fucking farce that he is. And and honestly, like that is the main reason, and perhaps the only reason why liberals hate him. Yeah, is because exactly. he you know, he's yeah. so vulgar that he's destroyed the respectability of these institutions. But that's and like, that's exactly that's the, why that's, they're that's, gravitating that's the to Joe Biden right which now, I because him. they just want desperately to just put that ketchup back in the bottle. Let's go back to normal. We're going to go back yeah, to 2015 no... when everything was fine. And that's exactly why they're rallying around someone that they feel can just bring them back to a sense of normalcy, which is gone. Yeah, it's gone forever. Toothpaste. Toothpaste is not going back in the tube, man. It's a, it's no. over. No, <laughs> the ketchup chips. Like, like going back, back, like back the to the bag. question of socialism or barbarism. Yeah, it's like like, you know, we can either move left or we can just fucking continue to elect just more and more just ridiculous fascists. That's pretty much it, dude. But that's that that's one of the things I had banging around in my head, which is like, you know, my my knee jerk reaction was like, there's no fucking way I'm casting a vote for Joe Biden. Like, look at, look at this sundowning psycho. But the only thing that I can think of that is that is an excuse to vote for him is expressly because of the people that he would put on the Supreme Court bench. Because, like... Yeah, that's that's mine, you know, too. That's because it's, it's the workers' rights cases. That's, that's I just have to fucking bite the bullet because they're going to gut worker protections as much as they can. You've got the fucking... The guy who reads The Jungle and thinks that uh, the workers are the problem. <laughs> uh, fucking... That, that that's who that's who is filling out like the Supreme Court under Trump, and it's just 
we have that's that i'll just fucking it's not about personal purity for me it's about protecting workers rights yeah and that's how that's why i mean i know and if 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 i if i if i lived in a swing state i might i I might have considered it but like living in new york i'm I'm not i'm not voting for joe biden man i mean look joe biden will like you know he'll he'll go to bat and try to put like somebody like fucking eric Cantor on the on the supreme court but like <laughs> trump is going to try to put on like fucking krang or something so i think for that for that reason alone it's just a little yeah, harm i mean you, you cannot you just i mean it's the grim reality that ginsburg is not going to make it another four years that no. there, there will be another appointment and that is going to shift like shape the dynamic of the supreme court and the right has done a fantastic job over the years of driving people to the polls um, specifically for the Supreme Court because they, they couched it in this anti-choice. Yeah, rhetoric. they certainly they figured out the so long many game. people who didn't even like Trump. What's I that? said they, re- no, they really figured out the long game as far as, you know, stacking yeah. the courts. Yeah, absolutely. And just like that, that's also shaped so many different things that are outside mm-hmm. of the public eye and much, much harder to galvanize opposition around. Uh, like you can in Congress and the Democrats are kind of narrow in their approach, just, you know, elected official national leaders, that kind of stuff and, and can really drive uh, opposition over legislation. But the right has just quietly and, and so meticulously been building up rosters of judges on the benches through the federal federalist society. And, you know, there's a new uh, effort on the left to counter that, but you know, it's there are, there are ways behind, but, Ginsburg is not going to make it another four years, and with that, again, it's a it's a generational dynamic that could change everything, especially workers' rights. Uh, and you just you have to acknowledge that, and you have to keep that in mind. Um, and you, yeah, sure, if you if you live in a solid blue state, yeah, I, I get it, but like that's also not something I want to broadcast. I don't want to encourage other people to sit out just because you, you just never know, and it's just way too much at risk. As Ted Cruz said, vote your conscience. Yeah. Well, and I guess like I hear what you guys are saying, and I think I think that makes sense. And yeah, if I think definitely, I would encourage people to even if you're disgusted with this process to keep that keep that like harm reduction in mind because it's not just the Supreme Court. There's like tangible ways that the Republican Party are like are like you know uh, targeting trans people, for example, like trying to like legislate them out of existence. Uh, targeting like other marginalized groups especially immigrants and stuff and like i don't think joe biden would be a lot better on those issues but yeah i think if you come down that's the shitty choice that a lot of american voters are left with where we can have someone that's marginally okay on these issues or someone that's going to like really target these people and hurt them um but i guess the problem is i just don't know if biden can win um no way. That's the that's the exact reason that I think I was personally saying this guy is not a good candidate. The Democrats should not nominate Joe Biden. He doesn't have it mentally all there. He's a re- he's a dinosaur. He's a remnant of like the Democratic Party of decades ago that like really kind of screwed over working people and led to the exact situation that led to Donald Trump getting elected. So uh, he, I don't have a ton of hope, eulogized- and, and now we're seeing the situation where the economy is collapsing. Trump is presiding over this massive crisis that he's obviously made worse, and his approval rating is just shooting up. And it's like this is not a good sign. This is not a good sign for any any positive anything positive to happen. I, I think especially if they do come out with a plan that fucking sends every American a check, if they fucking send us checks and put money in our pocket, I mean that's Trump's that's Trump's victory right there. Oh yeah. Well, uh, I guess we're gonna see. And um, I, I just I noticed, too, before we signed on here that Bernie is not dropping out and he's going towards the next debate, which I'm all about. It's great, I, it's man. The good, it's the state. good for him, man. Yeah. 
I mean, I don't know what this is the moment. He's really shining. Yeah, yeah he's he's, he's, really he's a, a more of a beacon of leadership right now than any of them. In fact, I think right now, I think that all of us, you know, I'm I'm calling on I, I'm naming Bernie Sanders the legitimate uh, interim president of the United States. I, I am call too. on yeah. I'm, I'm ready for I call that. on all I'm of you guys. On Venezuela. I, I call Venezuela us, needs uh, to invade. Yeah, yeah. Rob, please, uh, you know, please. <laughs> Please speak to uh, 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 you know your country's leadership on our behalf and ask them to uh, to recognize Bernie Sanders as the legitimate president of America. Yeah, he's um, certainly the only one being presidential right now. Whatever yeah, that. Means. But at the same time, he's, they're still shitting on him. Like he's fucking. Of course, he they does are. this big event. He's raising money <laughs> yeah. for the, for coronavirus, different charities. So go, he wasn't and, there like, for the alleviating vote. pressure. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, and they're still shitting Uh-oh. on him. And that's the insane thing. Like, oh, he wasn't at, he wasn't there for this crucial vote that they didn't even need him for. It was like totally Fuck fine. Off. It's purely just Fuck to score, score political points. And that's too when I kind of wonder when the, the kind of the criticism that we're seeing, the kind of Monday morning quarterbacking about his campaign is like, oh, he didn't reach out enough to these people. He didn't try to unify. They don't have any interest in unifying with Bernie. They fucking hate him. They'll hate. That doesn't matter what he does or says. They're always going to find a way in to, to shit on him for that stuff. So, yeah, Dude, why was he ever going to unify yeah. with these people? There was that was never an option ever. It's never it's never genuine. Uh, he, yeah, like you said, he raised two million dollars. Not a peep out of the media. Uh, if 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 Biden did that, oh, it'd be oh, I'm crying. He's so presidential. Thank yeah. you, Joe. You know, it, you see the, the the intercept story that ran today. The, uh, if that was fucking Bernie, heads would be rolling yes, right now. Of course, Joe Biden has a has a a, a another allegation of sexual misconduct and a woman went what? to Time's Up. The organization the organization that was propped up in the wake of the Harvey Weinstein stuff uh, to create a legal service for victims. And the woman went there and they told her, no, we can't do it because he's a presidential candidate. And the firm that does PR for Time's Up is, uh, S- uh, was it SDK Knickerbocker oh, or whatever? SKB yeah, 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 Knickerbocker. Yeah, yeah. And the person who is a managing partner there is Anita Dunn, the senior advisor to Joe Biden. And <laughs> they talked her out of it. Also, and the same Anita Dunn that volunteered, volunteered to help Harvey Weinstein before the New York Times article mm-hmm. was published. Oh, or the New fuck York article this, was dude. published. <laughs> and it's just they told her, no, sorry, we can't help you. Turned her away. He's a he's a candidate. We can't help it. No, it's because they're in the camp for Biden. It's insane. And the, it, it's stuff. just like so glaring. They're, 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 they're disinterested ingenuous approach is so glaring but if it's if it's bernie oh this fucking misogynist he wrote a satirical essay in the 70s he loves rape cult like fuck off i know yeah and then yeah the same thing with like the biden the whole thing where he just disappeared last week and they're like this is totally (laughs) normal like give him some time here it's totally normal yeah and then they take a whole week to like put down this this like video clip where he's like barely even he's barely able to like get out a 30 second tidbit and they're like good job joe very good buddy very good it's like it's amazing just before we started recording i saw a clip of him on msnbc today looking fucking he doesn't know what the fuck's going on man dude he looks (laughs) he said he said the 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 cure will will be worse He had some. He was. He called into the view and made some comment where it was like, "The cure is going to make things worse." It and was so just, bizarre. Okay, sure, whatever you say, man. It was so bizarre. Yeah, this, and so this is who not- this is who the Democratic Party 
took all their all every single like lever of power that they have every single bit of influence is to come together behind this guy against the guy with the super popular social movement who young people love who's organizing like immigrants who the democratic party claims to like care about and then they're like no 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 fuck off we're we're unifying behind joe biden and he can't you were talking about donald trump Trump. sorry what You, you were talking about donald trump well, no, I just mean that, like Biden, the Democratic Party are the ones that they've uni- he's, they've unified behind him, and it's just like I don't see what they expect is going to happen when he goes up against Trump. There's like like there's already ads coming out of all his like terrible moments. He just looks like shit, and they might be planning to some do. There was those rumors this week that they're planning some kind of switcheroo with uh, with Andrew Cuomo or whatever. But it's the whole thing is just such a fucking nightmare that uh, oh, if you watch if you watch cnn lately i mean it's also basically an all day every day just pr campaign for cuomo yeah i was thinking yeah no conflict of interest yeah. There. Yeah. <laughs> no this is all fine i was thinking about all that today and, and i was like i was like you know this is similar to the favorable press that giuliani got during 9-11 Right, like whoever's yep. in yep. power, whoever sh- America's shows, like, mayor, baby, exactly it's America's mayor. <laughs> whoever shows like this, a fucking shred of competence is will just be lauded, right, in the in the corporate media. But like, look at fucking Giuliani yeah. now. He looks like an absolutely de- demented old goat that occasionally Chris texts. Well, even Trump, I mean, Trump caused this fucking crisis through his own ineptitude and his own arrogance, and he still looks like a decisive leader in the media, and that's being, like, reflected in his poll numbers. So it's just like, Jesus Christ, I don't know, guys. I don't know about your country sometimes. I'm kind of obsessed with it, I admit. (laughs) I like to talk about it, but, like, I don't know. I don't know about the America. (laughs) I just don't know. How are all-dressed chips? They're pretty good. Nice. They're like a little bit. They're like a little bit salt and vinegar. You got a little bit of a barbecue flavor. There's like a couple. It's like everything. It's a Canadian, right? Is a Canadian thing? I guess no, they I don't have, have those no there. Talk about. Oh no! What is it? No, we don't have anything. All good. dressed chips. It's a. It's a flavor. We got McDonald's chips, potato chips. Yeah. Well, when America, um, you know, turns into Mad Max, and you want to get away from that, <laughs> I can maybe help you guys get across the border. You can hang, come hang out in my basement. We can get all the all dressed chips you want. Please, uh, but yeah. I guess we oh, we should call great. it, guys. It's been and we've been talking for an hour here. So, uh, oh. eat the rich, uh, Dwight and Chris. Thank you so much for coming on the program. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us, boys. An honor, an honor. Much appreciated. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, where make sure you subscribe to Eat the Rich on all your podcast apps. And uh, do you guys just want to let everyone know where they, we can find you on Twitter and all the other stuff that you want to? Yeah, totally didn't zone. occur to me that we should plug anything. It like like I mean nothing. And <laughs> we're, we're bad at plugging our own shit on our own show. Like, in fact, we I think we'll go ahead and plug the Patreon here. We do have a Patreon you can sign up for. I don't think we have ever once remembered to plug that on our own show. Yeah. No, that is that is true. Yeah, <laughs> patreon.com/eattherich. We have uh weekly stuff that comes out. We're working on se- putting out a little bit of bonus content frankly too we've noticed like a dip in the amount of the the amount of listens on our free episodes and i think that that's just a function of fewer people commuting but we've had like a huge spike in the amount of people signing up for the patreon i think for those that like you know really want to get into some of the in-depth stuff that we go into on the patreon um and the allegedly uh more actionable stuff that we discuss on the patreon uh <laughs> now nah, there's an equal amount of bleeping yeah but no, uh, we, we love satire 
sat- all yes. kinds of satire and parody. <laughs> all Talk that about stuff. stuff that happens in GTA and Minecraft. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a pleasure to, to chat with you guys, and uh, we'll talk to you later. Likewise. Be well, gents. Appreciate it. Okay, so that was Eat the Rich. Uh, Chris and Dwight from Eat the Rich, thank you so much for coming on the program. That was a, I thought that was a great conversation. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. I, was, I liked We it. didn't really oh. have a plan going ahead. They were like, can you send us like material or stuff you want to... Talking, we were just like, ah, it's gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine. But it was, it was really, that was really enjoyable <laughs> talking to those guys. Yeah, I, I like talking to them. They, uh, they bring a sort of levity to just the ugliness of the world. Yeah. And uh, okay, so I, I did just want to expound on one thing that I was saying at the end of the, the talk with Eat the Rich when I was talking about the apocalypse and what the apocalypse means and, and how it's a reference to uh, the lifting of the veil and a sort of a revelation. It's it's revealing something to us uh, that was previously hidden. And I talked a little bit about that, but I did just want to expound on that for one uh, moment just because I had some other stuff on this that I didn't, I didn't get out uh, in the interview because we're talking about all the different things uh, just over the last couple of weeks where we're getting these glimpses of how power works and we're getting kind of uh, these things are being revealed to us about the power structures in our society and the people that are, are running the world that were maybe previously hidden. And I want to talk about what else has been revealed to us over the last couple of weeks. Well, one thing, and this was like the most remarkable thing about this first week when we started having all these conversations all of us out of nowhere about like UBI and these different things. And that's that's the thing that I think <laughs> I I was definitely caught a glimpse of this during this week is just that the economy is fake and money is not real. Um, and the idea that like the United States government like can't afford uh, quote unquote to pay for like basic social programs is 100% bullshit. And we've seen them just like, you know, injecting trillions of dollars um, uh, into the, into the, the stock market and trying to like stimulate economic growth artificially like that. And so the the whole point of like the uh, of saying these things about uh, about the, the U.S. government and the budget and the deficit, all that is just complete nonsense. It's all just completely there to kind of obfuscate the fact that that we you choose not to pay for these things and you're making deliberate choices uh, when it comes to these things. And and this uh, this it really was fundamentally summed up for me by that that Ben Bernanke quote that I I talked about uh, with Ken Klippenstein when and when he was on the show a few days ago. I cannot get this quote out of my head when he said, "No, we just change the numbers." We just changed the numbers in the computer. Uh, and that's really all the economy is. And that's that's like something that I think has been revealed to us that I think is kind of something that's normally totally obfuscated. Um, and the final thing that I wanted to mention of what is being revealed to us uh, right now that I think has been hidden and that's been not really uh, available to us um, is the power that we all have over the economy. Because we talked about, you know, how are we going to change the make political change by voting for this candidate over this candidate and whether the Supreme Court is going to, uh, you know, go in one direction or the other direction. And I think the main thing that I think everyone needs to be internalizing right now is that, you know, the economy, the way it's collapsing right now and the way the line is going down and the numbers becoming small, all these things we're joking about. Well, the reason that's happening is because no one is going to their jobs. And what that tells me and what I think everyone needs to learn about this exact moment in history is that it's not uh, the politicians and economists and the Supreme Court or the, the CEOs. They are not the ones that have the power 
over the economy. It is, in fact, uh, us. It's the working people. It's the people that have to go about and do our jobs every single day. We're the ones that that keep the economy going. We're the ones that keep delivering these huge, uh, this growth, this this like growth that these these psychos are pathologically obsessed with, just continuing at all costs. Uh, we're the ones that are responsible for that. And what I think uh, everyone should take this moment to kind of internalize is that we have collectively a huge amount of power over the economy. We can slow it down and stop it at any time, and. When it comes to political change, that's the way that political, real political change in the 2020s is going to happen. It's not going to be from just voting for X politician who has X plan and is going to turn different, like not technocratic knobs to deliver these big results. Uh, the way we're going to actually uh, win real meaningful political change, and, and not just in the United States and in Canada, but literally everywhere, uh, is by recognizing the power that we all have over the economy and the fact that when we uh, stop doing our jobs and we agree all collectively to withhold that labor until certain demands are met, that's how um, major, major change over our political system and over our economic system uh, is going to happen. Yeah. And that's why part of what we talked about in the, in the episode or the conversation with Eat the Rich was that's why rent is not frozen. That's why no one, no one in power is proposing rent be frozen because that's one of the biggest bills that the working class has to pay and they they know that keeping that uh keeping that active unlike mortgages for 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 wealthier people people who own homes uh keeping rent payments active means you need to go back to work sooner because at the end of the day the billionaires are not the job creators the billionaires are not the wealth generators it's you and your labor and it's important that you remember that so everything that rob just said absolutely like understand it's critical that you and everyone around you understands that your labor creates all wealth and collective collectively everyone's labor creates all wealth it's not billionaire ceos it's not your boss um and just ask yourself do you think your boss works harder than you and 99% of the yep. people, the so, answer is no. So, uh, I don't know... I don't know how a general strike would ever happen. That's the kind of interesting thing about this moment is that we're all kind of on general strike by accident. Uh, but the effect is, is very similar. So maybe one day as some kind of a collective, we could come to the decision to do that on purpose. And I don't know how that's going to work exactly. I'll leave that to the, the political organizers and the people that are really doing that work on the ground. But definitely, I think throughout this crisis, that's something that we need to remember always is that we're the ones that are creating value in society. And uh, we're the ones that decide whether the number goes up or goes down, whether the line goes up or goes down. Uh, and we should use that power in the future uh, more than we have uh, over the last couple of decades. Um, Jordan, thanks for, this is a great episode. I think this is the end. This is the end of the episode now. Uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed speaking with you and the Eat to Rich guys. And we'll be back soon, right? Yeah. Bye. Yep, we will. See ya. Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. Please remember to subscribe over at theinsurgents.substack.com. Find the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. And please remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's very helpful and we appreciate it a lot. But please, again, don't mention Ken Klippenstein in the review. He is banned from the show. It's a lifetime ban. So please do not mention him in the review. And we'll be back later this week with more of the content that you know and love. Goodbye.